So let's go ahead and get started. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, we'll start here again this week, and we're going to take a look at some things and um, see see how far we can get in in this series today. Uh, what, we're, what we're really doing is we're taking a look at the signs, right? And if you remember back last week, there were some questions that we had that hopefully we're going to answer as we go through here. I may not say, okay, question one, here's the answer. Question two, here's the answer. But, you know, as we're going through here, think about these questions. And I think you wrote them down last week, didn't you? Uh, and if not, <clears throat> we'll go through them again. Um, so the issue that we're dealing with is signs, right? So the first one was, what are they? Right. So what are signs? Uh, what is their purpose? Right. Um, huh? Okay. Uh, are we viewing them correctly and can the devil use them? How do we know if the devil's using them? Right. How can you tell? Uh, is God using signs today? And how do we know if he's not? Why is he not using signs today? Which that kind of helps answer that that question. Right. And we'll talk about that once we get there. Um, is there something better than signs? Okay, so those are some of the questions that we want to ask. There's other ones that we're going to have too, uh, like what's their purpose, uh, and what does what do signs do? Uh, things like that. We'll talk about some of those. But notice here, First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-two. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them that are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this, this series, may we keep an open mind and allow your word to be the final authority in all things that we don't, we don't look to stories or anything like that, but we actually just look at what do the verses on the page say, and it comes down to do we actually believe them or not. Um, may, our, may our faith rest completely and totally and wholly on what your word says rather than uh, stories, but we allow your word to be the final authority. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, one of the things with that is... Uh, I think Brother Jordan said this, and I don't know if he came up with it or somebody else he got from somebody else, but... Um, a man with a story will beat a man with a verse every single time. Especially if that story is at a personal account. I know what the verse says, but I also know what I went through. And so then they give that story and that account, that thing, more value than they do the scriptures themselves. And so we got to be careful when we, when we pay attention to people and have conversation with folks, Right. Uh, being intentional with how we talk to them. Not just what we say, but how we say it. And we don't want to go about it and say, okay, you don't know anything, let me, let me teach you something. Right? We don't want to go about it that way. We have to go about it with meekness. You know, Paul says, I come to you in the meekness of Jesus Christ. Right? Uh, and that's what he's talking about when he, when he talks to the, to the folks in Corinth. So thinking about those things. But notice here in 1 Corinthians 1.22, he says, For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. So who is it that signs are for then? Well, if the Jews require a sign, then what do we need to know about those signs is who are they for? Well, it's, it's for... It's for, it's for 
It's for the Jews. More specifically, Paul also tells us what? That signs and, 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 and tongues and those, those things are for unbelieving Jews is really who it's for. And that's the context of what he's talking about there. So then when we start looking at that, that should kind of, that should kind of, you know, a little light bulb moment in our head say, hmm, maybe there's something to this. So let's take a look at a few things here real quick. Um, let's go back real quick to, uh, let's go back real quick to Matthew. Let's just take a look at some things. And then just as a, a, a side note to kind of remind ourselves of, of where we are. Remember, we talked about last time, um, the first mention, the first mention of the singular sign, and we also looked at the first mention of the plural signs, right? And if you remember that, if you didn't, uh, you can go back and watch the video uh, from last week. Um, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook. Also, we've got the podcast out there if you want to go listen to it. Which, by the way, uh, we've had we've had pretty good response to that. Uh, people liking the fact that we're doing the audio, put, putting that out there too. Which is one I've wanted to do, but you can't you can't do that when you're two and a half chapters into three chapters of the book of Titus. So, <clears throat> so that's one of the things we wanted to do here. But notice, uh, there's some things that we, we talked about back there. We also talked about, you know, how often some of these, these signs show up. You know, we talked about uh, the flood, the series of signs in, in Egypt when you've got uh, the nation of Israel going their exodus out of Egypt. You got the Tower of Babel, Elijah and Elisha, and the series of signs that they had that led to the Assyrian and the Babylonian captivity. Which, by the way, is something else that's really fascinating to me. Um, you know, and I was talking to Raymond about this the other night. You know, when 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 Christ is on Earth and He's talking about that He has other sheep of another fold. And everybody all, all automatically says, well, that's the Gentiles. It's not. He's talking about that split nation of Israel, the, 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 the part that went under the Assyrian captivity and the other part, the ten, and tw- the ten and two tribes, how they were split up. That's what he's talking about. It's really interesting when you go back and look at that. So that's something that I'm hoping we can talk about sometime soon as well. Uh, we talked about all the signs that Christ did during his earthly ministry and the purpose behind those. As we go through here, we'll see those. Uh, the signs and the, the, the things that were taking place at Pentecost. Paul, the things that he was doing. And then also some of those things that are going to be taking place through the tribulation period, uh, whether it's leading up to the second coming or the establishment of that kingdom. So we're going to look at a bunch of different things. And I don't know if we'll get all, all of those, but um, i gotta, I got to have you all do some of the work, right? Go, go study for yourselves too. No. Uh, but we'll give you a real good basis to go back onto. So let's take a look at some things just to kind of get an idea. Um, remind ourselves that the Jews require a sign. So go here, Matthew chapter 12, and we'll take a look at a bunch of different verses here. But notice, Matthew chapter 12, uh, start off here in verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered. So, of course, this is talking about uh, we've got Jesus Christ. He, he he's dealing with the with the with the Pharisees and 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 the scribes here, and and so they're going to start asking him some questions. But notice what they do here. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, "Master, we would see a sign from thee." What are they saying? Show us a sign. If you really are who you say you are, give us a sign, and we'll believe it. Um. Doesn't that remind you when he's up on the cross and they say, if he really truly is the Son of God, have him call. 
And what they're doing is they're saying, we don't believe you. And the only way you're going to be able to convince us is if you give us a sign. By the way, when you look at people out here today, what do they say? If I can't see it from God, then I don't believe it. I don't believe God exists if I can't see Him. We talked about that movie, The Horton Hears a Who, right? Where the kangaroo says, if you can't hear it, if you can't see, if you can't feel it, if you can't touch, if you can't smell it, then it doesn't exist. And it's really interesting, you know, the, the story behind that, but, but that's what's going on. Notice, <clears throat> but he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Ooh. Well, that cuts, doesn't it? By the way, meekness isn't weakness, right? No. Yeah, you see that there. That's right on somebody's cage, right? Yeah, that's right on somebody's cage right there. You know, there there was a series that I was wanting to do years ago, and I still might do it, called Kicking Out the Relics, where we've got a lot of folks, even in grace mess, in grace circles, if you want to call it that, who still have relics of their old denominationalism, and we need to start kicking those things out. But anyway, moving on. An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now we're going to take a look at that a little bit later on, and, and we'll, we'll see how that works. Uh, but notice, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The man of Nineveh shall rise in judgment in this, uh, with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Now, there's something here that's really interesting because <clears throat> what's going on, and I can't wait to get into this because I really want to now, and my mind says, not yet, we're going to get there. Uh, but notice, what was Jonas? Jonas was a prophet, mm -hmm. right? And he's saying there's a greater than Jonas here. A greater what? A greater prophet. Mm -hmm. That's him. Mm -hmm. And how do we know that? Keep on going down. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost part of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Who was Solomon? A king. What's he saying? You've got a greater king in your midst. There's a prophet and a king. By the way, you think about this. You've got prophet, priest, and king. Those are the three offices of the folks here that, that, that God's set up the nation of Israel to be. If you go back to Adam, Adam was set up to be a prophet, a priest, and a king here on the earth. And all that he said, nope, to take a grape. He exchanged all of that for a grape because of the subtlety that, 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 that Satan used to, to trick Eve. And that's the verse that Ronnie was talking about. And he said, I don't, I'm going to give all that. Now, he doesn't think this. But he basically says, I give all that up for this. I give up all this for this immediate gratification. But there's, Jesus Christ is going to be the prophet, the priest, and the king for the nation of Israel. That's an important thing to know about. And we continue on down through there. But, but we see there's some things there. Notice in verse 43, with the unclean spirit, uh, when the unclean, unclean spirit is, uh, is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. 
Then he saith, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now, again, that's a, those are cutting verses to this religious system out there. And so, you know, sometimes some of the things that we say on our TV program, they're cutting things to that religious system out there because we're trying to free these people from that religious system to walk in the liberty that God has given them. And that's the same thing that Christ was doing here, right? But notice, what are they looking for? They're looking for a sign. Why? Because they require a sign. Go back to Matthew chapter 8. And it's really interesting as you, as you see some of these things and you know, I figure about three years from now, by the time we get to Matthew chapter 8 on Wednesday nights, we'll be able to see some of these things. But notice, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are the Sermon on the Mount, right? And we're still going through Matthew chapter 5, and between issues as far as one of the, th- one of the nights the iPad wasn't charged up, we just completely forgot about charging it, so we had to miss that, that, one, that Wednesday night, and then uh, this past Wednesday night, I was just, it was our last day with kids. I was just exhausted. I couldn't do anything. And I wouldn't, I would rather be exhausted and not try to fake my way through it and not do it justice. So <clears throat> anyway, so one of these days we'll get through Matthew on Wednesday nights. Until then, we're enjoying Matthew. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 8 Notice verse 1, When he came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. What's Jesus Christ do as soon as he comes off this mountain? What's he do? Heals a leper. Uh, notice <clears throat> chapter 5, uh, or my bad, chapter 8, verse 5. And when Jesus went, was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus say, saith unto him, I will come and heal him. What's Jesus Christ doing? He's performing miracles. Notice in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them, that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. By the way, in order for people to sit down in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what has to happen to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? They have to be raised from the dead. Resurrection. So there's something else there. But notice in verse 12, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. Uh, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. What's Jesus Christ doing there? He's healing. What are those things? They're part of the signs for the nation of Israel saying, Your Messiah is here. And we'll take a look at these a little bit more as we get into it. Um, verse 14, he starts and he's doing what? He heals Peter's wife's mother. By the way, Peter is married. Contrary to what the Catholic Church says, 
Peter was married, and he had a mother-in-law. And Jesus Christ heals Peter's mother-in-law. Right? That's a sign. Go over to chapter 9. <clears throat> and and we, see this, we see this all throughout his ministry. I mean, chapter 8, there's a series of things where he's doing. He cast out demons uh, in, in, in chapter 8, verse 28, and so on. Uh, chapter 9, he heals the, the palsied man. He's got, uh, he calls out Matthew. Then he's got the, the healing of the woman who has an issue of blood and raises the daughter of a... I mean, you see these things all throughout his ministry. And then these guys over here in Matthew chapter 12 say what? Go back to Matthew chapter 12. Verse 38. But he, uh, verse 38, Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. <laughs> What's his entire ministry from chapter 8 up until this point been? He's shown them signs. Sign after sign after sign after sign. And what do they say? Give us a sign. We'll believe it if you give us a sign. Go over to chapter 16. Isn't that what most people do? I'm just waiting on God, and if He shows me a sign, then I'll pay attention to Him. And it's right in front of your face the whole time. And it's right there in the Notice in chapter 16, verse 1. Um, the Pharisees also, with the Sadducees, came and tempting desire, desired Him that He would shew them a sign from heaven. What's interesting is, notice His answer. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather. For the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and low ring. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye cannot discern the signs of the times. Do you know what he's saying? You all can predict the weather, but you've got signs out here that's been taking place the entire time, and you're just ignoring them. All the things that he's done up until this time, he's saying, they're... The signs are everywhere. You're just not paying attention to them. You're more interested in being able to tell what, what weather's going to be tomorrow by looking up into the sky. And he's saying, they're hypocrites. In fact, <clears throat> notice, verse 4, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There it is again. And there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Now, what's interesting and... For what it's worth, what's interesting is, is I'm convinced that the sign of Jonas isn't, you know, he says that, that, that Jonah's in the heart of the earth three days, three nights. Um, I'm convinced that the sign of Jonas is the nation's repenting when he goes to Nineveh. We'll talk about that once we get there. That's really interesting to me. <clears throat> but notice, here's the thing. Is it a sign that they're is it a sign issue that they're looking for signs? No, it's a heart issue. They're not even looking at the right place. And what's really interesting, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First <clears throat> Corinthians 14. <clears throat> and get um, And get 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So 1 Corinthians 14 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
1 Corinthians 14. What's, what's interesting, and we've talked about this before, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22, and we looked at this the last time. Notice he says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, but prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Now, think about what's going on. First of all, we've got, during the book of Acts, you've got Paul and the folks, specifically here, he's talking to the folks in Corinth, they're performing miracles, right? One of which is signs, another one, or tongues, another one, because he just got through talking in chapter 13. Bruce read the verse this morning, right? He's talking about there's a time when those things are going to go away. What things? The gift of knowledge, the gift of tongues, and the gift of prophesying, right? So when you think about what's going on, we get over here, and he says what? Now abideth faith, love, and hope, or faith, love, and or faith, Faith, hope, and charity, and the grace of these three is charity, right? So he says that at the end of chapter 13. We're going to take a look at that once we get there. But we've got to pay attention. There's some things that are going on at this particular time, right? Notice, he says, Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Now, you've got to think about what's going on. You've got, you've got um, the little flock which is consistent of the 12 and um, all those, that remnant, right? The, the remnant. Delilah and I went and got some remnant carpet the other day. It's what's left over from where they've, caught, they've cut up. So it's a small part of the whole thing, right? We don't have the whole rug that they had. We have the remnant from the rug. The remnant is just a part, a small part of, of, of that so what you have here is you've got unbelieving Israel. Who are the signs for? Not them that believe, but for who? Unbelievers. The unbelieving Israel. So you've got Gentiles over here who are members of the body of Christ that are performing signs, specifically tongues, right? That's a sign to those people right there that God's now over here in the Gentiles. Now, I gave you the, the illustration last week. You remember the Seraphonician woman, and Christ is talking, and Seraphonician woman goes up to Christ, and he, he ignores her. And then the disciples come and say, could you put her away? Because she's, she's just bugging us, really. And he turns to her and says what? I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And it's not right for the children's bread or the children's bread to be given to the dogs, right? And she says, it's true. That's why I'm just here for the crumbs. And I talked about the fact that now you've got Gentiles who are sitting at the table. Now, don't take that as, okay, Greg's making whatever, but that's, that's an illustration basically saying, okay, you've got these people over here that's been at the table for so long and... All of a sudden, this guy that's a Gentile pulls up a table. And now, what's really interesting is, and I thought about this, what's really interesting is the unbelieving nation of Israel, they're now down here with unbelieving Gentiles. 
They're down there on the floor with them looking for crumbs. But here's what's really, really interesting is you got saved members of the body of Christ over here that are speaking in tongues, and it's a sign to those that don't believe. Notice, he says, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not them that believe not, but for them which believe. Now, when you think about, about prophesying, what prophesying has to do with is what? God's Word. Who's God's Word for? Those that believe. That's why we talk about a little bit later on, he's talking about the fact that what? In fact, a few chapters before this, he says what? The natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. Neither can they know them, right? And so then you can get into some, some things like that. But notice here, Second Corinthians chapter 5. This is what's going to happen, right? Unbelieving Israel, they see these signs, and they know that something's different. And that's really what he's talking about there. It's unbelieving Israel that that's a sign for. Why? Because the Jews require a sign. You've got a sign of tongues over here in the Gentiles, and they're like, wait a minute. My toy, and I always use this as, a, as an illustration, and I was using it last, last week about, uh, I think, what was it? Um, somebody was telling me, uh, get Greg a toy. Get, get Greg a GoBot. I forget who it was. I think it was Reed Richardson, maybe. Got made a comment last week on the video. Says somebody go get Greg a GoBot because I was talking about the Transformers, right? Um, and so then, when our neighbor, we'd go over and we start playing with his toys, he'd get upset and he'd come and take them away. That's what was going on here, right? That's the idea that I want you to think about because Paul's purpose in the na in, in in the Book of Acts is to make these people jealous. That's the whole point of him and these Gentiles out here performing these things. And here's what's really interesting. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to think about this in the context of what we're looking at. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Here's the thing. What the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and all those religious people said is what? Give us a sign and we'll believe. Have you ever thought about this? Someone who walks by sight, one sign will never be enough. You ever thought about that? Yeah. If somebody's walking by sight, show me and I'll believe. Because it's for one particular scenario. Because it's one particular scenario for so one particular situation. For and you'll need one for every one of them. And one sign is not enough. It's never going to be enough. I believed you yesterday, but in order for me to believe you today, you got to give me another sign, like God owes us something. Right? right? Notice, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So when the unbelieving Israel, Sadducees, Pharisees, religious folks like that, the scribes, they're saying... Well, we've seen all these signs. In fact, they've watched him heal people. Remember, he, they watched him heal somebody on the Sabbath day, and they were like, well, you can't heal people on the Sabbath day. So they saw that. And they said what? Give us a sign and we'll believe. But here's the thing. 
Do you know what faith says? Faith says, I don't need a sign. When somebody comes to the Scriptures, and they're always going to be looking for something new, right? Faith, faith says, I might learn some things, but I'm not going to find anything new. I mean, Ecclesiastes tells us what? There's nothing new under the sun. Um, but... What this is what walking by the flesh does, or walking by sight, right? So walking by sight says, "Give me a sign, all right? Give me another sign, all right? Give me another sign." Have you ever had? Have you ever dealt with somebody and they're just like, "Well, I just this this thing happened, and I just know it was God." Mm-hmm. You know what they're doing? Walking by sight. Faith says, I don't need a sign. And so then that gets us to where we're going to get into some things. Now, let's answer some of these questions real quick as we move forward. All right. First of all, what's the purpose of signs? Well, the purpose of signs overall, right? We know they're for Jews, right? And we know that the Jews require a sign. We know that it, it's, it's for those that don't believe. But what's the purpose of signs? There's a couple of things. One is there's a plan of redemption. And the second thing is, is there's, it's a promise of a deliverer. That's what they have to do with. Okay? There's a plan that God has in store, and He's got a way that He's going to go about doing it. Okay? Um, the big thing that we want to look at and Delilah asked me a question last week, and I think I may have misspoke, and I didn't go back and listen. Um, and I was talking about um, that they had to be prophesied. I think I said that, and, and, and I think I fixed that last week. I, I didn't go back and listen to it, but I need to to see if I did. But we did talk about it later on. Yeah. So what do signs do? Here's the two things that signs will do. Um, they're going to um, first... Validate the message. All right. Remember last time when we talked about the voice of the sign? Right? We talked about that last week. There's a message that goes along with it. And what it's going to do is it's going to validate the message that's being preached at that particular time. Okay? Number two, it'll validate the messenger. <clears throat> All right. Okay. So there's two things that signs are going to do. One is validate the message, and two, validate the messenger, the one that's actually speaking that message. And you'll see that as we go through here, I hope, and I believe. <clears throat> Next thing. How do we know if a sign is from God? Okay, how do we know if it's something God's doing or if it's Satan, or if something Satan's doing? Because we took we looked at it last time, right? Is it possible for Satan to perform a sign or have other people perform signs for him? Well, yeah, we saw it last week, right? Christ even said, 
you're going to have people that are going to come in my name and they're not going to be of me, but they're going to perform signs and miracles and great wonders. And people are going to, if, if, if it were possible to deceive even the very elect, right? We, took, we looked at that last time, but notice what, do, how do we know if a sign is from God? And I won't write it down because it's a little bit longer. How do we know a sign is from God? First is it has to be consistent with what God is doing. Okay? So, if God is in some sign, if He's using a sign, it has to be consistent with what God's doing. Years ago, we were driving down to Tennessee. We were listening to an old radio station that we used to listen to. It's a Christian radio station out of Somerset. And this woman, she came they were playing this song that she did that she wrote and they were they were playing this audio from her it says god gave me this song to write and to sing about how the 10 commandments that we're to follow the 10 commandments today and and that they save her right so question does god save by the 10 commandments today no. no so then what do we know about that sign to that woman is it's not consistent with what God's doing, so was that God doing it? No. God will never do anything different than what He's saying He's doing at that particular time. Second, <clears throat> the sign has to validate the claim of the person given the sign. Okay? So it has to be consistent with what God's doing, and it has to validate the claim or the message that the messenger is bringing. Okay? So those are some things that I want us to keep in mind as we go down through here. Um, so then, we've got a few minutes left, so let's start taking a look at some. Let's go back to, to Exodus. Go back to Exodus chapter 4. <clears throat> By the way, what big sign do we have in Exodus chapter 3? Does anybody remember? Exodus chapter 3. So this is one of those we could do, you know, I said back to the basics. We could do we could do all kinds of different things back to the basics. This is one of those back to the basics things that you could probably go through. And I said there's different ways we can go about it. Exodus chapter 3. Does anybody remember what the sign there in Exodus chapter 3 is? It's two words. They both start with B. The burning bush, right? So you think, you have a bush that's, on, that, that's consumed with fire, but it's not burned. So, you know, you've got, you've got that sign that's going on there. So that's, that's something that's really interesting. Let's take a look at this real quick. Exodus chapter 4. Uh, notice here in verse, we'll start off here in verse 1, right? Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. And these are really interesting to me. Let me get... should have my rag up here. All right, so there's some things that's really interesting here. Notice in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thy hand? Or what is in thine hand? And he said, A rod. 
and he said, cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail, and he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. Um, Verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said, furthermore, and he goes on. So pause there for real quick. So 1 through 5, what do we see? We've got a rod that turns into a serpent. All right. Now you stop and think about this real quick. What's the serpent usually in reference to in Scripture? Satan. Satan, right? So we find that we find that in Genesis chapter three, right? Serpent beguiled Eve. We talked about that verse earlier. So he's what he's making a reference to is Satan. So I want you to think about this real quick. He says, "Cast your rod down; it turns into a into a serpent." And he and this is this is what really is interesting to me. Stop and think about this real quick. God is telling Moses to go before the 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 nation of Israel here, which which is to what? In order to validate your message, right? Isn't this what God's telling him in verse one? The Lord hath appeared unto thee. Um, they'll say that the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And God says, here, I want you to do this, and this is going to validate the message, right? And then by that, you're going to validate you as the messenger. So do we see how that's kind of showing up already on this first one? Okay. He says, cast it down on the ground, and it became a serpent. And then the Lord said, put, thine hand, put, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. Did he tell him what was going to happen when he took it by the tail? He didn't say it was going to turn back into a rod, right? Think about this. If you, if you grab a snake by the, by the tail, what are you going to be able to do? You're taking control of it, right? You're taking, you're, you have some sort of control. Now, you don't want to go after the head because what's going to happen, you're going to get... But what is it that they've already know that there's a promise about the head of the serpent? It's going to be crushed, Genesis chapter 3, right? So he says, what I want you to know, and this is what the sign is going to tell the nation of Israel, that you, Israel, are under the captivity of Satan. So they're under satanic captivity. All right? And he's saying, you're going to show power and authority over that by grabbing it by the tail, and then what happens is it turns back into... A snake, <clears throat> right? Next one, verse 6. Um, yeah, so in the first five verses, what he's telling them is they're under satanic captivity. He's going to use, or that God's, God will destroy the serpent, but he's going to use the serpent to punish Israel first is what he's going to do, is what he's going to do and then he's going to show dominion over that serpent notice in verse 6 we talked about this a little bit last week right verse 6 and the lord said furthermore unto him put now thine hand into thy bosom and he put forth his hand into into his bosom and when he took it out behold his hand was leprous as snow 
And he said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was, it was turned again to his other flesh. Now, what, what do we have here? Now, we talked about this the last time. It's not that he just stuffed it inside of his, his shirt or his jacket or anything like that. It went into his bosom, right? And so he puts it there. And what comes out is what? So, hand in your bosom. <clears throat> what's, in, what's inside there? What's inside the bosom? The heart. the heart, right? What do we know about the heart? The heart is deceitfully wicked, right? We know that. And so what he's saying is there's a heart issue that you all are also needing to be healed from the inside out. And notice... He puts his hand back in, and what happens? He brings it back out, and it's just as it was before. Okay. Notice in verse, verse, uh, verse 8. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. So again, there's a message to the first one and a message to the second one. He says, if they don't believe the first one, show them the second one. Okay. There's, there's dominion over Satan there, and then there's healing in that second sign. Okay? Notice in verse 9. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. So what's this, what's this third one? He says what? You've got water. Where is he putting that water? On dry land. And what's that become? Blood. Blood. All right? So what's he saying there? He's saying... What, what's going to be taking place is this water on dry land. It's on dry what? Land. What's going to happen? It's going to turn to blood. You know what that is? There's judgment coming. You've got these two signs which are saying, believe this and I'll give you that dominion back. Believe this, you've got healing. If you don't believe those, then what's going to happen is what? Judgment. And we see this. We see this over and over again. Notice, let's go take a look at some things. Now I know we're getting close on time. Um, let's take a look at some of these things real quick. Um, well, we'll, we'll take a look at that a little bit more next time. But let's go look at this real quick. <clears throat> What is, what is the two main things that Jesus Christ does in His earthly ministry? Go over to Matthew chapter 10 real quick. Um, this, is, this is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's no. That's that's you're 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 partly there. Notice in Matthew chapter ten. There there's some other things I do want to look at the the oppression that they had 
with, with Satan and, the, and it's really the Antichrist is what's going to take place later on. Uh, but I want us to be able to take a look at some other things too real quick. Notice, when Jesus Christ is, 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 is in his earthly ministry and he's telling them the kingdom of heaven is at hand, there's two main signs that he performs to validate his message that the kingdom is at hand and to validate his, his ministry. <clears throat> Notice, Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, this is right after he calls out the, the twelve apostles and he tells them, don't go to the way of the Gentiles or any of the cities that the Samaritans enter yacht, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. By the way, why are you going to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? Because they required a sign. Unbelieving Israel required a sign. And he says, I want you to take these signs. By the way, notice verse 7. And as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the message, right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, Raise the dead, cast out what? Devils. Devils. Freely of your seed, freely give. What's he doing? Casting out devils and he's healing what? The sick, the lepers, and the dead. So what do you have there? He's giving them signs. Here's the signs that I want you to be able to go and perform. And when you do these things, here's what's going to happen. All right? And he tells them, don't take with you any money or anything like that. <clears throat> but what you're supposed to do is go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. All right? Uh, drop down to verse verse 14. And you see this. What, what did God say here? said, go and give them this sign. If they don't hearken to the voice of the first one, give them the second one. And then the third one is what? There's judgment coming. Notice here in verse 14. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Right? Do you see that pattern in Christ's earthly ministry and how that matches up here? You've got... Uh, they have they have power over over the devils. They have power over that healing, and if they don't pay attention, what do they have? They have that judgment coming. And we see that over and over again <clears throat> as we go down through there. Uh, um, so casting out devils, healing. That's what we see. What's the result if they don't pay attention? You got judgment coming. So we see that same thing back over there. Um, I think that's a pretty good place to stop. Um, next week, what I want to do is take a look at these a little bit more in depth back there in in Exodus and uh, see how see how those things worked out back there. But the big things that I want us to be able to take away today is the purpose of it, validate the message, validate the messenger. Um, how do we know it's from God? It's consistent with what he's doing, and it's going to validate the claim of the person giving the sign, which is that part there. Okay.